Tory Radio. The best news, interviews and much more. Today it's my great pleasure to be talking to someone I once described as the Beast of Bassett Law. I also kindly called him yesterday's man just before he summonly defeated me at the, at, at, at the ballot box and I was dispatched out of Bassett Law. Of course I'm talking about John Mann, now known of course as Lord Mann of Holbeck Law. Lord Mann, thank you for talking to us today. It's a pleasure. I'd like to kick off with a little bit about your new role. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, it isn't that long ago that you stood down as a Member of Parliament. Uh, you've become a non-affiliated peer. I'd be interesting to know exactly what that means, I guess, compared to a crossbencher or an independent. And then you've also, I believe, took on a role as government anti-Semitism czar. So how did that role come about? Well, I was offered the, uh, the role to be the uh, advisor on anti-Semitism to government, which I am for the next five years. Uh, appointed by Theresa May, reconfirmed by Boris Johnson, and uh, it's like I've been for the five-year period, so um, I, I'm set fair there. Uh, not paid by government, though I get a budget to do the work. It allows me uh, uh, staff and other publications, etc. Um, and I shall be giving an honest assessment of what government needs to do to combat the growing threat of anti-Semitism in this country. And, uh, well, you know me, I shall, I shall tell them what they need to hear and uh, do so in a way that's hopefully practical and pragmatic so that they can assist society and the Jewish community and the rest of us in, in tackling this scourge. And the, why the... Why the Lords? Why independent the Lords? Well, technically, it'd be rather difficult for Theresa May to appoint me as a civil servant because there's a nine-month recruitment process with full equal opportunities. Well, if you're sitting MP, it'd be rather rather difficult to put a job application in, not knowing when you've, whether you've got the job, um, whether there could be an election at any time. Uh, so the Lords was suggested as a way of giving an appropriate. Uh, platform mm. and I was pleased to accept that possibility. I'm independent because I have a governmental role. I don't take a party whip. I'm not sure the whips would have quickly noticed anyway. Um, but I'm uh, I'm free of the party whips. John Mann, independent thinking, sh sh surely not. Well, it, what, what I've found out is I haven't got a clue what's going on because no one tells me. I'll have to guess what votes there are because no one's going to tell me that. At some stage, people cotton on, it's probably a good idea to tell me, because I might vote more likely for their side. I could end up missing some important vote on Brexit, because no one has told me there's an important vote on Brexit about to happen. So the Whips do have that use, but um, I'm sure I'll find a way around that. Is there anything specific in, in your advisor role as, as what happens day to day? Is there specific tasks that you're doing? Or is it... Well, it's for me to decide. I mean, I've got to report, actually, the RIP reports to government, I will make them public. Everything I do will be, I think, should be transparent, so they will be out there for people to see, and it'll be useful. I shall pass them across the whole of Parliament, so that no one misses my uh, recommendations, um, and I'm sure government ministers won't want to miss any of them. Uh, but it's the Jewish community was on the verge of leaving this country in very large numbers. It was a crisis. Reassurance to the community is my critical role in the first year. The community 
wants reassuring. That's what everyone tells me. They want to feel that they have a future in this country, especially young people. And the existence of my role has undoubtedly um, been an assist in that. I've had huge audiences as I've gone to Jewish communal events, huge turnouts, very positive responses. I'm delighted to say not 100%. Let one person walk out in one synagogue um, uh, uh, heckling. So I'm pleased to say that democracy is alive and well in the Jewish community. But um, the other 99.9% seem to be um, pleased that their legitimate concerns are going to continue to get a proper hearing and action by government and indeed by parliament. Yep. Now, now, I would be unforgiven if I didn't ask this. Uh, I know you were, you were a Labour member of parliament. We've heard a lot of about anti-Semitism anti and the Labour Party. Lord Mann, does the party, the Labour Party, have an issue with it at its highest level? Of course it does. It has a problem with institutional anti-Semitism. Uh, the fact that the Equality Human Rights Commission is investigating is bad enough. But the announcement yesterday that uh, uh, half a dozen people have been uh, interviewed for arrested by the police, Labour Party members for anti-Semitism, to contextualise that, nothing like this has ever happened in a hundred years. This is well beyond anyone's comprehension a few years ago. Um, there's only one person who takes responsibility for that, that's Jeremy Corbyn. He's the one who's led the party into this catastrophic election defeat, but also this very dark place when it comes to anti-Semitism, and whoever's the next leader, they have no option but to sort this out, and that will mean wielding the axe not just on the anti-Semites, but that larger group who encourage anti-Semitism, the, the flag wavers for them, the ones who are smart enough not to cross the line themselves, but wave the flags encouraging others to do so. We want them out as well. We'll, we'll touch upon the election in a bit. Uh, you've mentioned the Labour leadership. The leadership hasn't changed yet. What do you need to... What, what do you think needs to be done now? And I, and I say now, given that this issue has dragged on for months and months. Well, I mean, uh, the, uh, the death throes of the Corbyn leadership of the Labour Party are clearly uh, as bad as the previous uh, era with him. Um, when he eventually expires out of leadership, um, somebody else takes over, that gives the opportunity. Whether that opportunity is draft, well, let's see who it is. Um, they will have an open door from me if they want advice. I will advise if they wish the new leader of the Labour Party. That's entirely up to them. Mr Corbyn chose never to discuss these matters with me. So, so, so given your background and you, you I think you, 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 you were chair of an APPG on this issue, you're telling me that, For the, 15 years that, that the Labour leadership, knowing that it had this issue, never spoke to you about it? They chose not to speak to me. It was a deliberate act. Um, yeah, I chaired the parliamentary committee for 15 years. I ran three major international conferences. Um, I, I, my work got the, the creation of a similar post to mine in the, in the German government. Um, I chair the International Parliamentary Committee on Antisemitism. Um, so, you know, I've done a fair amount of work on this area. Uh, no, my own party leadership did not consult me, or indeed anybody else that I know with any expertise for advice. What do you think that says about the Labour Party as, as it was under, under the, the leadership? Well, the, the growth of anti-Semitism was 
not an issue that not just Corbyn but the people around him were willing to confront. They chose calculatedly not to confront it. So and they hoped it would go away. Um, and of course what they found was the British people do not accept extremism. The British people uh, are very welcoming of the Jewish community, always have been. The British people abhor anti-Semitism and uh, the proof of that, the really magnificent part of the election night was of course the uh, humiliation of Williamson in Derby and Galloway in West Bromwich. Less votes than the monster raving loony candidates we're getting elsewhere. You know, there are accidental independents who didn't realise it stood who got more votes than them in some constituencies. They got a pathetic loss of a deposit. I hear that Williamson's still searching the streets of Derby trying to find his deposit. Um, well, I hope it takes him quite a long time. We, we, we must obviously talk a little bit more about the election. Uh, you know I'm going to mention Bassett Law. We, we know the demographics have been changing a while. Uh, you will probably, yeah, in fact, you probably forgot anything that, that I said 50, 15 years ago. Why would, you, why would you bother listening to it? But it was a place where I said, historically, you put a red rosette on a donkey and they'd win. Yet it returned a 14,000 Conservative majority. Now, for me, that, that's just jaw-dropping. Why do you think that happened? Well, the bit we forgot to tell you when you used to do that in five was that um, I'd already acquired a significant number of Conservative voters who'd switched to me. Um, yeah, thank, thanks that, for that. There are, there, are, there are people who, there's nothing you could do about it. It's, it's I, I, I do remember, some people, you, you did say off record once that I was the best candidate that ever stood against you. Then you paused and said, and you still want me. Oh, that's true. Um, remains true to this day. Uh, the people say there's no personal vote in politics, and that's not true. Incumbency uh, can get you a significant vote. If you, um, if you assist somebody, a small community or a family, a street, an individual, with something that's life transforming, the chances of them voting for you are very high. Um, and so my approach was very hands-on. Um, was very popular and the number of people if Labour could have had a vote for everyone who's been to see me say I've voted for you John, I want to vote for Corby then um, that 14,000 majority would have been reversed well, well, much, much, much. and that's, that's, interest, that's an interesting learning point for other MPs though well, yeah, well, look after your base if Mrs. I always had the approach if Mrs Smith came to me and said John I need my windows fixing Mrs. Smith was coming to me because that was something that was significant in her life. Now, you know, we're dealing with the Iraq War or the state, the NHS or whatever else. Mrs. Smith wants her windows fixing. She comes to me. I've got the power to get her windows fixed. And I did. And there was nobody in authority uh, who was not aware that if they didn't fix Mrs. Smith's windows, I would carry on until they did. And so, miraculously, they well, got fixed. That, that's the sign of a good constituency MP, isn't it? It's about using. It's about. It's about defining the job. It's about using the power. MPs have some power. They can use that power. I use mine. I think I used it effectively. Uh, the the scale of the Labour defeat shows that a lot of voters who voted for me because they thought I used it effectively, and that wasn't about political considerations. That was aside from them. Well, if you have that, you're in a much stronger position to win. 
Now, now let's move. Let's let's open it up, but only slightly wider. So areas around where where where, where you were a member of Parliament. You had obviously basketball, but places like Bolsover, Mansfield pre at the previous election, former coalfield communities, turning Tory, where I was born. My God, you know, the, the Chesterfield. It came within just over a thousand votes of, of, of the Tories winning it. Unheard of. Would you suggest it was more about Corbyn? Was it about Brexit, or was it more than that, which led to the election result we just had? Yeah, the, 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 there were three issues that came up in the election. Number one was Corbyn. Number two was Brexit. Number three was anti-Semitism. All three had an impact in all areas. Um, the big ones. There wasn't a doorstep you could go to in those constituencies where. Corbyn was not an issue. Um, I, I have always put it this way. People in places like Mansfield, Bolsover, Bassalore believe that to be a leader, MP or Prime Minister, you could be a person who would be the first to shake the bucket for help for heroes. And they believe that Jeremy Corbyn would never shake the bucket for help for heroes. Um, works up actually, population-wise, is the biggest contributor per capita to help the heroes in its history. Those are the values that people hold. He holds different values. Therefore, they weren't happy voting for him. And then you have Brexit, where what the Labour Party said to those voters was, your vote and your voice is not as important hmm. as other people's. So let me ask you something. It's called democracy. Yeah, let me ask and you they, and they, they spat in the face yeah. of democracy. Oh. And, and, and the public said, well, is is our revenge? Yeah. So on, on Brexit, you, you you have been a defender of the initial referendum result, as you know full well. So have I. Does that make you thick or racist? Because that's what's been put to people like you, and that's what they've described my old constituents as. Well, my old constituents are not thick. They knew what they're doing. Uh, the number of racists is tiny. These are decent people who used the vote that we gave them. They made a decision. And then we said, well, we're taking it away from you. No surprise. In fact, it's only that lifelong loyalty to the Labour Party that led to some of them still voting Labour. There were people who voted Labour who did not want to do so because of that um, and just couldn't shift from it. And that shows how strong the feeling is. The anger against the Labour Party in those communities is even bigger than the majority of the Conservative Party got. And the third issue, it was less of an issue in those areas, but nevertheless it still was an issue, because it reconfirmed their view of Corbyn, and that's anti-Semitism. You know, we fought a war because of the Nazis and anti-Semitism. We won that war, we saved Europe, and here you have a party that's picking on the Jewish community. That's how people saw it. They don't regard that as decent or proper. And uh, the number of people who raised that, people said it was astonishing. I say it's reassuring the decency of the British people. We'll come on, we'll touch hopefully on the, the coming uh, Labour leadership election. But, but just more generally, you know, we've spoken about uh, people like you and people who voted for you being called thick and racist. Yet, there's almost the view that some in, in, who want to be Labour leader still want to remain and still think that people that voted to leave are perhaps thick and racist, still to this day. Well, um, my advice to them and to uh, Labour MPs nominating to 
Labour members voting is uh, that's not an election winning formula. So those who are still saying that, they're losers, they'll lose in the future. I know what, Boris Johnson will be rubbing hands with glee seeing that the, the two alleged favourites are both basically saying that. He must be thinking all his Christmases have caught once. Here's a similar question, uh, and, and it was said to me by somebody also, actually from the Labour Party. Uh, why do you think that, that whilst the Conservatives are, are very good at replacing leaders who don't win, they're very ruthless, the Conservatives love the leader that delivered them three general election victories in a row, but the Labour Party seem to hate their Prime Minister, their leader that won three elections, and haven't they learned the lesson that I learned very quickly, that being in opposition can be fun, but you can achieve zero of what you set out in your manifesto? Well, my, my dividing image of this last election for me was a Labour Party member with a double barrel name from Barcelona who lives in one of the biggest houses, haranguing a miner's widow with a Zimmer frame walking to a council bungalow because she wasn't going to vote for Corbyn. The Labour Party is full of people from the middle classes and upper middle classes who in the real world are likely to benefit from the tax cuts that wealthy people get from a Conservative government. So they get it beneficial both ways. They can have their, uh, their virtue values that they can parade to everyone and then they can get a few extra pounds in the pocket because you know their small business is set up to avoid tax, gets an extra benefit from Conservative free enterprise. They're laughing all the way at the bank, they're laughing in the faces of the working classes. Um, sadly, the unions are so weak and paltry these days that they can't counter it numerically or in any other way. Um, and uh, what we could do with is uh, working class voters choosing next leader of the Labour Party, then we get someone who's in touch. What do you say when you read, and you must have, have, a, have a chuckle to yourself, when you do see uh, leadership contenders, and, and as you say, possibly some of the favourites, when the, the current leader, as a matter of fact, this isn't an opinion coming from a Tory, but the current Labour leader has lost two elections. The, 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 the last share of the, of the vote was something like the worst since the 30s. How on earth does this rate as a 10 out of 10? Um. Not that I'm asking you to give, to give numbers because that's pointless, but how on earth can you be credible and say 10 out of 10? Uh, well, it shows how deep the cult is. It's, um, yeah, I imagine there's people still buying Michael Jackson records. What do you think for former Labour voters, and obviously there are a lot if the Tories have got 14,000 majority, what are they looking for? in a leader of the Labour Party, a, a Labour Prime Minister? Oh, I think what they, what they want is what they want for the country. They want to be left to get on with their lives. They know that not which is going to really change, but they hope for something positive. And so what, what a Labour leader should be doing, what they would want, is a Labour leader who's spelling out the benefits that they can get in their communities from Brexit, um, identifying it and pressing government to make sure that those communities get the benefits rather than it all seeping off to the wealthier parts of the country in the city of London, which is what usually happens with any government. Okay. Now, now, it's Boris's dilemma, can he deliver on this? It's Labour's dilemma, can they even articulate? And I fear that what will happen is Boris won't necessarily deliver, let's see, 
but Labour won't be articulating what should be there anyway. So even if Boris doesn't deliver, he'll get away with it. So we'll touch on that's my next question. The Conservatives are in power for a generation, aren't they? Politics is volatile. Um, I think uh, most wise Labour thinkers will hope that that is the implicit mindset of the Conservative Party, because that will then not come to pass. Um, politics is much more volatile than it's ever been. So I think you can't presume that voting trends as were remain. You know, what were the marginal seats this time? Um, what were the marginal seats for next time? Which seats could change hands? A lot can change. Populations are more mobile. Uh, the internet has transformed the way people communicate. So, you know, five years' time, four years' time, it's a long way away. So, but the basic value base of Labour voters will not change. Boris is now Prime Minister of an area with members of Parliament in areas that you will possibly know better than many of the Tory MPs who are representing them. What would your advice to be? You might not want to give it. What, but what would your advice be to a Boris Johnson government as to how they keep those seats? Are you listening, Boris? Because this is for you. All right. Dom, are you listening? <laughs> this is uh, it's very, very, very straightforward. I mean, if you want a simplistic uh, soundbite, do football, don't do potholes. What people want, it's really interesting, what Orban has done in Hungary. What Orban's done in Hungary is two things. One is playgrounds for small children everywhere. And I mean everywhere. I mean tens of thousands of them. You can see them. Families use it. Happen. Everywhere you go, they're there. People use them. They're good quality. It seems to be all top quality Scandinavian play equipment. Not for teenagers to hang around in. For small kids. Who do small kids take with them? Adults, otherwise known as voters. Parents, grandparents. And he's built knew every single professional and semi-professional football stadium in Hungary in the last six years. Every single one at every level. That's a man who understands what's tick boxes with voters. People want that kind of thing. If it's the Tory weakness in the north, from my experience, the typical Tory activist in the north is obsessed with the rates, which they've not quite gotten on an alcohol council tax, and with potholes and roads. There are no votes in potholes and roads because the voters expect you to do that. And when I used to go around and say, I've sorted the potholes, they'd say, 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 John, that's what we pay you for. Now, what have you done? And that, I think, is actually the fault line, that if the Johnson government doesn't address it... And the other thing is got to be careful of. Big, big project, you know, a tunnel under the Pennines would be great in 20 years' time. Well, I mean, I don't intend to be around here in 20 years' time. I and mean, if I'm around here, I think we'll have reformed, uh, we'll have reformed this place so that me in 20 years is not allowed to come in. Um, you know, perhaps once a year for a reunion. Uh, and then Boris didn't come around either. So planning for an election in 20, 25 years' time. Well, they're good stuff, but that ain't going to win him next time. So I would look at why the DUP, with all that money, and what they spend it on, got fewer MPs. They spent it on roads, 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 and potholes. Uh-uh, that's not what the voters want.
Just before we finish, I want to touch on, on politics in general. Do you think it's become a, a nastier thing to be involved in? And by that, I'm talking about what people think it's acceptable to say, to write, or indeed to do to elected politicians and people involved, people in the legislature, that it's acceptable to throw a milkshake on someone because isn't it a jape, and it's acceptable to put things on social media anonymously that are tantamount to threats of physical violence. Has that got worse in recent years, and why do you think that is? In the last two years, three people who've tidied, me, my family, my staff, have gone to prison. Three. Now, can you imagine when you used to in 2005, that one person had gone to prison mm. for doing that. Three. Yeah, I mean, we, we, and that's we, one MP. And you think, well, what is going on there? The, I mean, politicians might get themselves an appalling reputation, first with the expenses scandal, which I had a lot to say about and made myself unpopular in here. Then with um, the, the, the Liberals breaking their promise, which just discredited politics overall on tuition fees. Whatever you think of the issue, they promised one thing, one vote, and then did the opposite. Um, and then uh, you had the Brexit referendum. We give you the vote, people vote, and we deny you the result. So politicians are not the flavour of the year, never mind the flavour of the month. Um, but that has turned into political agitators, activists, on the extremes, uh, taking hold with the abuse, using the internet, everything goes. Where's the leadership? Where's the leadership from the top in clamping down on this? Um, and I think we need stronger laws as well. I think that the what, what I want is publishers' liability or the internet companies to be uh, acting on the same basis as the broadcasters and the newspapers, rather than anything goes on the internet. So that um, someone acts appallingly to me and they do nothing about it. I can take them to court as I could a newspaper or a broadcaster. So I think we could improve the law, but we need leadership from the top. And you know, you the, think the, some of the political commentators out there. But you also think you know the Owen Joneses of this world—they're a key part of the problem. In what respect? Oh, Jones. I mean, tidied me. Deselect John Mann. I mean, people weren't listening to him. Bastard law. But the 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 vitriol he brought up. You know, they just dogpiled on somebody else. He gets. Uh, uh, a load of uh, Jones's fans turning up, haranguing his wife and kids at home. Um, these virtue signalers, actually, they're the uh, the rousers of the rabble, and we need to be knocking some of these off their perches. They're a big part of the problem. And, and Corbynism and momentum—they've encouraged that in a very big way. Do you think that this this is not? You know, this this was alleged by some that. That you know, this was Brexit that brought this on, in in, in the sense that you know, the, the right of of you know, obviously poor Anna Soubry got, got got called a Nazi. There there are there are MPs that I know of, and I'm not going to talk about their cases because they've told me in confidence. As you've said, you're not the only one that's had death threats. It's across the political spectrum. Therefore, do you think also? Uh, what's allowed on social media? Therefore, that's an issue, and that people people who can post anonymously. Of course, I mean you've got you've got the uh, uh, you've got the cheerleaders, and you've got the anonymous folks, and the combination of the two is toxic. And what, I tell you what, it's done. When, I mean, they, when, when, when I announced I was standing down, 
there's a lot of very talented people who could have put themselves forward. There's a Labour candidate in Bachelor, who I know, who would be very credible, very talented. None of them, not one, was interested. They don't want to come in here at the moment. So that's bad for, in that case, the Labour Party. But I think the Conservative Party is probably having similar problems as well, and other parties. So you think it's scaring, decent, off, decent, it's scaring off high calibre decent people? Decent high calibre people are thinking, what do I want to be doing that for? And, and as you as an MP, were you frightened for your family? Um, because the threats aren't just to you. Well, the truth is my family were frightened for themselves. I mean, yeah, so, uh, and my staff. I mean, they, they, you know, they were, we're talking... So after Joe... You know, when, 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 when people go to prison, it, it, it's not for a rant, a political rant with some abuse in against me. That's what people go to prison for. It's threats of serious violence. It's major league stuff. And there are others who should have gone to prison who the police weren't able to uh, uh, prosecute who should have gone to prison. So there should have been at least two more gone to prison. That would be five. And that's just me. You go, hey, what's going on in this country? What's going on with our politics? Why aren't we in control of it? And yeah, we're certainly not in control of the, the internet. It's like the Wild West out there. We should take that under control so that this kind of abuse is actually dealable with. But aren't, aren't you and me a prime example? I literally, not even figuratively, tried to take your job away from you in 2005, yet we have different views on some things, the same views on other things, yet we can have, uh, less from my side, but an intellectual debate about things, and it's not personal. Do you think almost that has changed? It's almost, okay, if absolutely. you don't agree with me, I, Toler I, you, there's no tolerance of, to of a different tolerance view. Tolerance has reduced significantly, very significantly. I mean, if anyone had gone and started personally abusing you, I'd have dealt with them. If they'd have been in my local party, they'd have been out. If it had been someone in the public, if it had been someone who had given you real grief, horrendous stuff on the doorstep, I'd have visited them um, and uh, sorted them out. I mean, you know, that's, that's, yeah. what, that's, now, in a debate, I'd be happy to, you know, metaphorically whack you all over the place. But and, that's politics, isn't but, it? But, but, but in a way, and as you know, I'd, I would have been a, and was a strong, hard debater, but not in a way that would demean you, devalue you, bully and intimidate you. You know, the, 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 the challenge would be intellectual and debating. It'd be on policy, it'd be on political values, it'd be on vision, aspiration. Um, and at the end we'd shake hands and people would see that and that would be genuine. Yeah. Well, that's what political debate should be. Different perspectives, being honest with one another, being prepared to argue ferociously over how we see the world and how we could improve it and the different views on that. That's great democratic debate. And, 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 and there is no great area at all there. No great area. It doesn't exist. Would you right? think there's it's a calculated. It's people who know they can't win the argument. So these momentum types, they weren't going on the doorstep in places like Basel. They were terrified, terrified of doing so. They'd meet real people. We'd tell them what they think. But is there a generation now who almost hasn't seen the, hasn't seen the fact that you can have that kind of debate on issues? You know full well that, that, that for example, me as a Conservative, it can be portrayed that, that the Tories want to sell off the health service. There's no votes in killing people with regards to health as an issue. But I might have a different Absolutely. view to you on how you get better health outcomes. Yet now, I th I th I th if you have a different view, 
you, you, at best, you're called a Nazi. Or... And, 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 you know, the, the great public debating forums outside of here that's been devalued, I mean, Burko devalued this place so much. You didn't have debates, all you had was urgent questions by the tens of thousands of them. So you got, you know, 10 seconds to ask a question. I mean, that's, that's not debate. So this place has been devalued um, a lot. But also, you know, those great political debate institutions like Question Time, you know, they, they're not working in an appropriate way, in my view, um, where people can actually have their say and properly clash. You know, there is a big role, a big gap in society for whoever it be, me and you, me and Jacob Rees-Mogg, or whoever, um, me and Jeremy Corbyn, to debate on different perspectives, different solutions, in an informed, intelligent way, and greatly disagree. Those forums are sadly lacking at the moment, and anyone who can find a way of bringing them back would do democracy a great benefit. Well, part of the reason that I'm trying to do these interviews is that I, I think that within the media, similarly, there's, been, there's always been that mad rush to get a 20-second soundbite that can be out of context to prove a view as it opposed to pr present something far more informative to have that kind of debate. But do you think, do you think given that there's been that much vitriol across all the parties, there's a willingness now with lots of new MPs to almost take that on? No. Do you think... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, it'd be nice to think that. No, I don't. I think it's going to... I think it's going to get worse. I don't think it get worse, but I don't think it's going to improve. I think it will meander along. I think um, politicians have not discovered the art of conversation very effectively. And when one or two at the top do, the public will reward them and others will copy that. So I think we will see that. Um, and it'll be payment by results. There will be people who do that. The public will warm to them. And those people... Uh, will actually start to dominate the political agenda. There's been far too much, you know, quick point scoring, entrenched positions on Brexit, having a civilised debate over what we should do. Actually, the real irony of the whole shambles of blocking Brexit is the Remain argument, if they'd have properly engaged, Brexit would have happened if they were right and it would have been economically very bad for people. They'd now been in a position by saying, well, we had a civilised debate, we made decisions, we saw through, we'll have to change our mind. So if they were right, now they could be on the offensive. Of course, they've done the opposite. You know, it's all been, you know, the Dominic Grieve type or other manoeuvring, parliamentary procedures. The public is sick to death of that. And, frankly, I was bored stupid. I oh, hope the House of Lords is going to be a bit more entertaining. Final very quick one. Uh, who would you vote for in the Labour leadership election and why? Well, it won't be Long Bill and it won't be Starmer um, because, well, well, because they still have, have the same approach to those people I know very, very well who voted to leave the European Union. They, they haven't got it yet, so it won't be either of them. Jess Phillips kind of wants to campaign to go back and. To yeah, well, she needs, uh, needs to have words with her. <laughs> Because in terms of a human being, she reaches a lot she's of parts. A, she's so a human being. Yep. Now, yeah, so I think she might, she might need me in as a Brexit advisor. I think uh, if she's going to win a general election, but yeah, she would be a good choice. Um, Lisa Nandy, she's kind of where her position is. I think is quite good. Whether 
she's going to cut through I'm not so sure but I if she was to win I would not regard that as a, a problem or a disaster don't you think the unions need to you know given that, that they, they fund a lot of this have they come to the conclusion there's no point funding a leader if you're not going to win a general election because you get nothing back for what you funded well the unions haven't quite caught with the union members because they were the bedrock of the Brexit vote and it's union members are the bedrock of the new Tory vote so um the unions have got some interesting questions to think about over the next couple of years. And what does 2020 hold for Lord Mann? Uh, what it holds for me is the ability on an evening in London to go to football rather than be stuck waiting for some irrelevant vote that never ever happens and weekends free. And it sounds quite trite. But I've kind of been doing this stuff one way or other for at least 25 years. About 25 years solidly. I suddenly have weekends free. You might see a fitter, healthier, leaner, mountaineering John Mann as well. Uh, I, I'm going to actually uh, live life a little bit um, by using my weekends. And uh, that, yeah, I cannot overstate, having been in that place the last four years, all the staff around here, the normal staff, you know, the cleaners, the, the catering staff, uh, the security staff, they'll say, you're all up here. You're all up here, aren't you? You bet I am. Fantastic. On that, that note, Lord Man, thank you for talking to us today. You're welcome. To discuss sponsorship opportunities, email editor at toryradio.com. Do it now.